you're actually reading the words on the page and not just like listening to what the culture is saying I'm like this is actually really radical and as somebody who was raised by hippies like radical works for me i'm like, <laughs> like i kind of really like that countercultural thing I'm like this is really cool this is not at all what i thought it was like this radical jesus like i'm down with that like you know as far as i'm concerned he's going around saying hey if you truly radically love people that is world changing Welcome to the Center for Congregations podcast. This is a conversation for anyone invested in sustaining and strengthening their faith communities. The Center for Congregations is an Indiana nonprofit that exists because we believe that the work of your congregation is essential. Our mission is to strengthen your congregation, helping you find the right information or expertise for your congregation's needs. We're able to do this work because of the generosity of the Lilly Endowment. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Center for Congregations podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Matt Burke, and with me is my co-host, Ben Tapper, the inimitable Ben Tapper. Welcome back, Ben. Wow. I don't think we've used that adjective before, so well done in finding finding one we hadn't used yet. It's good to be here, Matt. Why, thank you. And full transparency, I had to look it up on Google Dictionary to make sure that it wasn't something. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that's fair. I'm going to have to as well, so no worries there. It's a good thing. Rest assured, it is a good thing. I trust you. Thanks. Appreciate that. So today we have a guest, Kaylee Swigard, who is a millennial and also heavily involved in marketing. And we'll talk a little bit more about her just before the interview. But what we're going to talk about today is just kind of a couple of themes, marketing and also young adult engagement, whether that be millennial or Gen Z, a topic that's definitely been on our radar a lot over the last probably five to seven years, probably even longer than that. But Ben, where does this pop up in your work, whether that be marketing and communication side of things or whether it be the young adult engagement side of things? Where have you seen that popping up around Indianapolis? You know, I don't see it as much right now, but I'd say 2020, 2021, I saw a lot of congregations that were curious about doing more marketing to millennial and Gen Z folks. And so there were conversations about how to reach young adults. We had several cohorts go through our Engaging Young Adults grant initiative here with the Center for Congregations. And so it came up a lot then. Now, whenever I hear congregations talking about marketing, it's typically in regards to developing a marketing plan for just general outreach or for community engagement. Occasionally, they're trying to think about how to evangelize and you know how to use marketing to evangelize better. But those are the most common ways. It's less common right now that I hear congregations thinking about marketing as a specific tool to reach millennial or Gen Z folks. But mm-hmm. you know, is that different than what you're experiencing in the Northeast? Yeah, no, I think it's a good differentiation that often congregations who are just getting online for the first time will want to talk about how to maximize their impact being online through marketing and communications. I haven't seen it as much. I mean, I think congregations are interested in social media as a tool to reach out to millennials Mm -hmm. and Gen Z, 
which we've got an Ed event coming up on that later on in the year. This is 2023, by the way, beginning of 2023, if you're listening to this well into 23 or even into 24 or beyond, it's way in the past, <laughs> but coming up, we're going to be actually having an Ed event presenter talking about social media and kind of disabusing some of the notions of what it's not for, what it doesn't mm. do, because I think there's some misconceptions. But yeah, I think in many ways, similar to other times in our culture, the non-religious culture to some degree sets the agenda for the religious culture. And what I mean by that is marketing to millennials became such a heavy focus that I think it kind of trickled down into congregational life in terms of that specificity of like, how do we reach millennials specifically? And I think that same trend is happening now that we have Gen Z. And, but, you know, part of it is just, what does it mean to be intergenerational and to be human? What does it mean to love and take care of younger generations, period. I find it interesting that, and I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I picked up a book on reaching Gen Xers for when Gen Xers were in their 20s. Mm. And probably 90% of that book is almost exactly the same thing that people are saying today about millennials and Gen yep. Z. And it's funny, I've heard historians, they'll provide non-specific quotes around you know, how the younger generation is lazy and they don't want to work hard and this and that. And literally all the way back to the time of like the early two, three hundreds BC and even before that, that it's not a new phenomenon that older generations look at the younger generations as slackers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, but there's always been the understanding of like, how do we work with them? How do we mature them? And I think that's an important question for congregational life. And it raises the question of discipleship. What does discipleship look like? Raising someone up in the faith and accounting for those generational differences, I think is incredibly important. Right, right. And I think Kaylee does a good job in our conversation of highlighting really simple examples of how those generational differences can impact your marketing, right? And, you know, we talk about context a bit in the interview. And so I appreciated the examples that she used to highlight what some of those differences might look like and sound like practically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So let's actually go ahead and get into that interview. This is Kaylee Swigard. She's a digital marketing professional with a heart for community building. In true millennial style, she was raised spiritual but not religious and decided to be baptized at the age of 27. Went on to participate in the World Council of Churches Ecumenical School, acted as vice moderator of the Christian Church Disciples of Christ in Canada, and worked as a communications coordinator for the Canadian Council of Churches. And so she's had a really interesting journey into faith, and we had a really fun conversation that I think you'll enjoy. So up next is Kaylee Swigard. All right, everybody, welcome back. We are here with Kaylee Swigard. Kaylee, thank you so much for being a guest on the Center for Congregations podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And Kaylee has the distinction of being our first Canadian guest, I think. Well, as I mentioned in her bio, Kaylee knows a ton about marketing as a marketing specialist, but also happens to be a millennial herself. And just to make sure we're clear on this, because I think some people who don't pay a lot of attention to generational nomenclature, generational ideas, millennials at this point, probably the youngest are 22 and the oldest are upwards of maybe 39, 40 years old. Is that right? Yes. I'm an elder millennial, as we say. Like I'm on the older <laughs> spectrum of that, but like millennials aren't even cool anymore. Gen Z are the cool ones now. Millennials are looking to Gen Z to be like, what are they wearing? What are they saying? Like, how do I be cool again? So for context. Right. And Gen Xers like me are still feeling forgotten by all of the <laughs> generational sociologists. Aww. So. 
<laughs> but Kaylee, one of the things that we learned when we worked with congregations in trying to get them connected with millennials, because especially about, oh, I don't know, six years ago when we did the program, you're right that Gen Z is more on the radar now, but at the time millennials were. And one of the things that we recommended to congregations and that actually bore a lot of fruit was just having conversations, like understanding that was one of the gaps that we saw that boomers and Xers weren't necessarily asking questions or paying attention to how life was different. And in a lot of ways, how life is very similar for millennials. And I know that your journey into faith and your background in marketing, there's an interesting intersection there about the way the church is envisioned or seen in society. I'd love to hear you talk about that, of moving into congregational life, moving into a life of faith, and what you learned or what you saw about kind of the church's reputation. Yeah. And like, I think it's really important that you mentioned actually talking to people because I know so often, and this happens in marketing too, is we try to read people's minds. That's a very common thing. We kind of try to guess what people are thinking, but really you're projecting so much of your own stuff onto people often that the best, you know, to use marketing terms, the best data you'll ever get is just qualitative data from just talking to people, using their words, seeing how they're thinking. And that was probably the most interesting thing I found when coming into the quote unquote faith world was sometimes people would try to, well-meaning, loving people would try to connect with me and talk with me, but they were using words that I literally had never heard before in my life. So I, I, it was embarrassing for me because I didn't know what they were asking me. I didn't know what they were trying to say. <laughs> so, so yes, absolutely talk with people and also try to, if I may, talk as though you're not in a church because chances are, if these are truly are brand new people to this world, they don't know what you're talking about. Let's be honest. <laughs> so, yeah. So like when I came into Oh, what was it? I started dabbling, we'll say. I entered the doors of my first church ever when I was probably 25. And as you mentioned, like, don't underestimate the amount of ignorance that people have. Because like, I didn't know if you could just go to a church. I didn't know. I'm like, do they just let anybody in? Like, I didn't know. And it sounds hilarious to me now, having like been in the church for a while. I'm like, this is what they want. This is like, you know, they're like, we're welcome. We're open. Like, everybody is welcome here but nobody knows what that actually means. Even if I were to see way back then when I was 25, a million years ago, a banner that said, all are welcome here. Like that doesn't really mean anything to you. Like actually, what does that mean? Like didn't even know to ask, like what is going to happen in what order? I didn't even have the knowledge to know to even ask that. I'm like, are they, I didn't know about denominations. As simple as that sounds, I didn't know denominations were a thing. So I would just like research individual churches without even knowing like, oh, this one's Baptist, this one's Methodist, this is Unitarian. I had no idea, no clue. (laughs) It was all the same to me. A church is a church, right? So yeah, I would say if you're going to talk to people, absolutely do it. Don't underestimate how little the person you're talking to knows. Yeah, Hmm. if that helps at all. (laughs) No, absolutely. That makes so much sense because I think people who are insiders kind of think about what we call unchurched or what we call dechurched. Dechurched meaning maybe once we're part of a congregational community, but mm-hmm. then have left. Unchurched meaning those who have never been a part of a faith community. And I think I heard a recent survey that in the UK, more than 50% of the population consider themselves to be irreligious, non-religious at this point. And so I think we've got this sense that from the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, you know, the majority of people had some sense of congregational culture but we can no longer make that assumption. I think that's such an important point. 
It reminds me of like driving by the Fraternal Order of Eagles around here. And it's like, they have a pancake breakfast sometimes. I'm like, am I allowed to go to the pancake exactly. breakfast? Is that, is that cool? Exactly. <laughs> I know nothing about the FOE. So it's like, are you just advertising it? Because like you're saying, hey, we do fun stuff. Exactly. I was telling my friend and she grew up in the church when I was trying to communicate this to her. And I told her like, and I'm Southern Ontario. Like, I mean, there's every kind of religion. But I remember like, if you're driving down like a rural road in Southern Ontario, you'll probably see a billboard of some sort at some point for like, Jesus loves you. But like, I remember telling my friend, like, it's kind of a useless billboard in my opinion. Sorry if I'm offending anyone, but because like with the extent of knowledge that like me and my friends had about this, you might've all said, George loves you or like Bernice loves you. I'm like, who, it doesn't matter. Like, you don't know who that is. Like, that's cool, but it's also kind of creepy. Like it has a creepiness factor. And I say this lovingly because I know the people behind it like have good intentions. Like people need to know that Jesus loves them. That's great. But it's also a picture like you're basically telling me this random man I've never met is kind of obsessed with me. Like that's really creepy. You know what I mean? So it's like, I don't know. That's the extent to which I would maybe have people think about their external messaging. When you're speaking to, you know, context, and so much of that messaging is built around a particular context that even though the desire is to reach people that aren't within it, there's a, in essence, a language barrier. Yes. Because like I grew up in the church, but I have a similar reaction to those billboards, right? Like I know yeah. what they mean. It's also kind of a weird yeah. way to deliver that message <laughs> in my opinion. Like, I, I, like this is the best vehicle we have for conveying this deep theological truth is a billboard with really bold words saying, Jesus loves me. I, okay. Yeah. What does that actually mean? <laughs> How am I supposed to feel? I, do I need to do anything about this? Do I need to like, is there a call to action? Nah, I'm just supposed yeah. to know, I guess. And all right, cool. I'll keep driving. So yeah. to your point, what is the messaging and why? Yeah. Like my mom loves me, but she doesn't need to put up a billboard. So it's like, I don't know. <laughs> and if she did, you'd be like, ma, that's a waste of money. You know, you could have just called me. <laughs> that's embarrassing. I know. <laughs> I know. Stop it, mom. (laughs) So I'm curious, Kaylee, for you, and I don't want this question to the listeners to turn into, this is what you need to do Mm -hmm. to draw millennials in. (laughs) But I'm just curious about your experience. So what was it about congregational life that did hook you, that made it accessible and understandable? And it's like, oh yeah, I want to be a part of this. Yeah. So, I mean, and it's so interesting because I had a really interesting experience recently with a fellow millennial. So my good friend who I had not seen for a couple of years because of COVID, her and I recently met up and we always kind of connected over our own faith journeys. I think she started Methodist or something like she grew up something. And then she had gone kind of the Unitarian route. And then, you know, a couple of weeks ago we met up and I hadn't seen her for a couple of years. And she showed up to the museum we were at wearing a hijab. And I was like, oh, I guess, I guess you're Muslim now. And so (laughs) we were chatting about that and she confirmed yes. And she is loving it. She looked so peaceful. She looked so happy. And I'm honestly very happy for her. And so I've been reflecting on it being like, isn't that interesting that she finally found the thing that works for her and she's so peaceful, like it's radiating off of her. And then I started thinking like, do I know Christians who are people who have converted to Christianity or whatever, who radiate that same kind of peacefulness? But then I started thinking like, I don't know, like at least for me, and I know it's, you know, what people want out of a religion probably differs. Like I'm one millennial out of a bajillion, but at least for me personally, like peacefulness isn't necessarily 
what I'm looking for. Like when I think of Jesus, the person of Jesus, when I think of Jesus, I picture Jesus flipping tables. Like that's not a very peaceful scene in my head. I'm like, I don't think I'm after peacefulness, but it's interesting that my friend Sarah is. And like, that's the thing that got her. But I'm like, I don't know. That's not the thing that I'm looking for. When I think of the person of Jesus, I'm like, no, I want something radical. Like I'm okay with that. I think it really does depend on the individual person, which goes back to your point of you're going to have to talk to individual people and see like, what is it that they're looking for? And for me, I think, I truly believe like as somebody who was raised by hippies, who never stepped foot in a church, what really struck me when I started actually reading the Bible, I think that was a huge thing because you're kind of told you know, you hear little bits of stories. You kind of know about the Garden of Eden. You kind of know, okay, Christmas is Jesus's birthday. And like, you know, those like random things, like the very, very basic. But when I started actually, when I actually opened up a Bible or when I actually started reading, I was really struck. I'm like, oh, this is not at all what I thought it was at all. I'm like, this is actually really radical. If you're actually reading the words on the page, and not just like listening to what the culture is saying. I'm like, this is actually really radical. And as somebody who was raised by hippies, like radical works for me. I'm like, <laughs> like I kind of really like that countercultural thing. I'm like, this is really cool. This is not at all what I thought it was. Like this radical Jesus, like I'm down with that. Like, you know, as far as I'm concerned, he's going around saying, hey, if you truly radically love people, that is world changing. And I didn't know that. So for me, that was the big eye-opening thing. But I'm not going to lie, to get a millennial to sit down and like read biblical words, like to actually, like it's, they're probably not going to open an actual Bible because they probably don't have one, but maybe they might Google something. Like to get them to actually read that is probably going to be really hard. So truly people will likely be looking for those things when they are in some kind of need. Like I came to it after my father passed away when I was, I don't know, I think I was about 25. So that's how that journey started for me. I was in a lot of pain. So I was looking for some things and like, I will try anything at this point. Like I was kind of desperate. And that's probably the point at which a millennial needs to be. Yeah. I don't know. If, I hope that's not too depressing. <laughs> there is hope. Don't get me wrong. Does that answer your question at all? <laughs> yeah, that's really helpful. And I'm curious from your marketing perspective, one of the things that strikes me is that you talk about different people look for different things potentially for the reason why they latch onto faith. But I think about a lot of congregations, both that I've been a part of and that I've worked with, that their stated mission is often very vague. Mm. And it's, you know, spreading the gospel to the whole world. And it's like, okay, well, what do you mean by gospel? And that means good news. What good news are you talking about? Yeah. Are you talking about release from oppression, taking care of the poor? Are you talking about eternal salvation? Are you talking about all of those things? So from that perspective, I would imagine that it might be difficult for someone who is seeking something specific to step into a world where, for lack of a better term, congregational marketing and advertising is very generic in nature. Is that accurate? And what can congregations do about that? Yeah, I would say like, we don't need a fluffy Christianity. Like, and I don't think anybody's intentionally doing that. But like, I remember when I was attending a church in Northern California, because I was there for a while, one of the older ladies at the congregation, she came up to me one day and was like, Kaylee, you know, <laughs> we always have these younger couples, these, you know, millennial people coming by. And they seem to be having a good time. Like they'll drop in once. They seem to have a good time. And they always tell us 
you guys are so nice. But then they never come back. And she's like, why is that? If they say we're so nice, but they never come back, what is happening? What is the disconnect? And I told her, you know, my bus driver is nice, but I'm not going to go hang out at like the bus depot all day just because he's nice. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) there's a lot of nice people in the world. And I always say, I'm like, if I was looking for, you know, nice people, I probably would become Muslim or something because they're some of the nicest people on the planet. But that's not why I have chosen to be Christian. That's not why I chose a religion. I mean, thankfully, I think we live in a very nice world, but I don't think that's the point. As I said, like, at least for me, I like radical, loving, like world changing Jesus who wasn't always super nice to everyone. (laughs) So I think, yes, be a nice person, but like, that's not why somebody's going to join your religion. You know what I mean? Like, I think it is, as I've said, world changing, but you need to communicate that. You need to tell people that you need to be bold. You need to actually take a stance on stuff, especially millennials, because they are going to be wondering, hey, is this place LGBTQ friendly? How does this place feel about women speaking in meetings? Truly, like they need to know. And if you're not answering those questions, they're not going to come by. So I always tell people like address objections as soon as you can. So that means like an FAQ page on your website have questions like what do I wear what happens in a service what if I have questions and you'll find out what these questions are again don't try to be a mind reader talk to some of the newer people or the younger people or whoever do whatever due diligence you need to do to find out hey what are the objections people have to coming what are the questions people have like literally I didn't know way back when I didn't know if I could just show up I didn't know if I had to wear a button-down shirt because everybody was wearing button-down shirts. I literally didn't know. I I was thinking, I'm like, what if I'm really uncomfortable? Can I just get up and leave? Also, where do I sit? Like, do I just pick a spot and go there? Like, literally, step-by-step, I did not know. If you are trying to attract those super new people, those are the kinds of questions they have, and those are the questions you're going to have to proactively answer. So I would always recommend at least have an FAQ page on your website. Ideally, if you could have just like a page dedicated to seekers or whatever terminology you want to use, you could just have it be called new here. Because again, somebody who's not in that world probably doesn't call themselves a seeker, right? They're like, oh, seeker. Yes, that's me. No, they think of themselves as probably just new here. This is why I say you should probably just call it new here. And you're right, Matt, like the words that are so often used, they don't know what they mean like ecumenical. I didn't know what that was until I was in Geneva at the World Council of Churches (laughs) learning from them what ecumenism was. Like it can take a while. It's a whole new language. So I can't even think off the top of my head other words, but there's so many that it's like, if you truly can just use everyday English or whatever language your congregation uses, that's what I would start with. And then, you know, further down the rabbit hole, like then you can start, you know, expecting that people will probably have been exposed to different words more frequently. So they'll know what they mean. But, you know, as we say in marketing, top of funnel, when you're just getting to know them, they don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) I'm always skeptical about the why. You know, I want to know why a congregation is seeking out millennial Mm. aged folks or gender Z aged folks. And so I'm wondering if you can speak to the importance of a congregation being clear about their why, and then to what degree do they need to communicate that, or is it just something that they can just kind of hold for themselves? 
Yeah. And my favorite marketing saying is from Simon Sinek. And he said, people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And, you know, you can think about the buying aspect of that, of really just buying into, like getting on board with whatever. And that was something that I used when I was working at the Canadian Council of Churches. You know, I was working on fundraising and it's so common to like talk at people, but I'm like, no, we really need to change the marketing message here to really be bringing people in. Let's stop talking about what we're doing, but let's start talking about why we're doing it. Because again, none of us need more things to do, <laughs> right? Like, you know, people are less interested in the what you're doing. But I would say if you can look at whatever you're writing, whether it's like the words that go on your website, or if you have a pamphlet or an email, notice that you'll probably have written it out to be talking about what you're doing. But if you can flip that to start those messages with why you're doing this, that will make such a difference in getting people to buy in. Because again, none of us need more stuff to do. But if it's something we believe in, like millennials, we want to feel, especially with social media, and I love social media, but it is so alienating that I think we really do crave community. But again, sorry, you're kind of in competition with a lot of communities. So, you know, when I can go to my gym and be in community, like, you know, I need a better reason than just hanging out with friendly people to go to church. You know what I mean? So, you know, if you're whatever your deeper reason is for being, you have to be telling people that because otherwise I'm just going to the gym if I want to be in community. You know what I mean? (laughs) I love the people I go to the gym with. So yeah, that's my stance on that. Yeah, that's really helpful because we crave community and we crave, you know, people being nice to us, but there's more to it than that. We crave shared interests. We crave deeper conversation about shared interests and things that we really care about. And, you know, nice is, I mean, you know, it's in the word itself, right? It's like, eh, it's nice. <laughs> I know. It generally means like, okay, and non-offensive. Yeah. This is one of the words that I had no idea what it was. It's fellowship. I'm like, what is fellowship? Like the only thing I'm like, with is fellowship of the ring? Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like I, <laughs> so, and that's fine. Fellowship is great, but I know what it is now. I didn't way back when. So, you know, I'll see so many web pages saying, oh, we have an amazing youth group where, you know, come out for the fellowship. And I'm like, what is that? I literally don't know what that means. And even another word I see on websites all the time is ministry, like our ministries. I'm like, you know, from a Canadian context in our government, we have like the ministry of health, the ministry of education, the ministry of transportation. So I'm like, is this like a government? Like, so that was what I knew from my context. I'm like, I don't know what to minister is. Like I have like the minister of health is what comes to mind, especially after COVID. So I think, again, it's fine to use those kinds of words to communicate your message. But again, people don't know what you're talking about. So (laughs) on your website, maybe the more common, whatever you would say to your best friend, like whatever more common way you would say that. And then like when you're on the page, be like, you know, hanging out, aka fellowship or however you want to describe it. Like that's fine, but you're going to have to teach people to speak your language. That's really helpful. That's really helpful. Those are great examples. Thanks, Kaylee. Well, Kaylee, as we come to the end of our time here, what are some ways that folks can find you or follow you or your work out there in the world? Well, I do have a website, which has been in construction for like a year. So if you go to kayleesplagard.com, you will find a nice coming soon page. Otherwise, LinkedIn is a really great way to connect with me. LinkedIn slash Stan slash Kaylee Swigard. Also, Instagram, Kaylee Swigard. Yeah, those are what come to mind. 
Cool. We'll make sure to include that information in the show notes, as well as a link to the event. Kaylee was an event presenter for us for an event called Reaching Young People in a Digital World. And we'll post that back up and have that recording available for a period of time on the website. And also, Kaylee, if it's okay with you, I'd like to link the article that I originally found you from (laughs) that led me to you. So I'll post that up as well. It was really helpful and really interesting. Go for it. And I'm honestly, I've had some people email me after the presentation I did with some questions. And I'm always, always, always happy to answer questions if anybody has any. So seriously, it's like my favorite thing to do. So yeah. Very cool. We'll include your email as well. All right. Well, Kaylee, thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you for being our first Canadian guest. Hopefully that will just set the precedent for other folks from up north. That's right. I feel like I should sing our anthem, but I won't. Don't worry. (laughs) 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 Don't worry. You're welcome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we appreciate your time, Kaylee. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, we just finished our conversation with Kaylee, and it's always fun as a millennial to hear another millennial talk about how congregations can reach us. And so I appreciate that those conversations, but I'm wondering, Matt, what are your takeaways as the, you know, uh, aptly named forgotten Gen Xer? <laughs> yeah. yeah, no one cares about the Gen Xers. <laughs> I think demographically, we're the smallest generations mm-hmm. still alive today because boomers are huge and millennials are huge. Not sure about Gen Z, but we're like the smallest demographic. It's wild to me. Like, how is that possible? If your parents are boomers, correct? Correct. If the boomers are, or were the largest generation, how did they just give birth so infrequently that you all ended up being the smallest generation? I don't know. And then also we're followed by one of the largest generations. So go figure. Right. So it just, it the math ain't mathing for me and it never has. I need someone to explain this to me. Help me understand. Yeah, I have no idea. I digress. Anyway, what did you take away from the interview? Although, you know, if you think about it, so (laughs) complete divergence Uh into nerd stats dumb (laughs) for those who care. The difference between an average of like 2.2 kids and 2.6 kids at scale actually makes a huge Mm. difference. So honestly, if boomers had on average, you know, like 1.9 kids and then Xers had on average like 2.7 kids, that would actually make quite a huge difference. So I'm wondering if that's it. Well, that and I mean... I also think about the idea that for many millennials like myself, especially older millennials, our parents aren't Gen Xers. Our parents are boomers, you know? There you go. So maybe boomers having kids over a wider span, Mm -hmm. which in essence, isn't that maybe cheating? Because I think Gen Xers, like we got a pretty small slice of time to be considered a Gen Xer. Oh, that's that's fair. I don't know how they do the generational breakdowns. Isn't it about 20 years? Isn't it supposed to be about 20 years? I think they typically mark it on like cultural milestones. Okay. I find it interesting, but (laughs) anyway. So yeah, Kaylee's interview, one of the things that stuck out to me, one of the things that I'm interested in is finding an analog to showing up to a church when you know nothing about it. Like what are places or organizations that are open to the public and society? Because I would give that as homework to congregational leaders listening to the podcast. Like find an organization that is open to anyone, but you know very little about and document your anxieties, your questions, all that kind of stuff, because that is probably how unchurched people think about coming to your Mm. congregation. And you might be able to put yourself in their shoes and realize some of the ways in which you're not really communicating in a way that's understandable 
or helping people understand what to be prepared for. I think that could be a really, really fun thought experiment and exercise to do as a congregation. Absolutely. I mean, anything that will help you put yourself in someone else's shoes is always going to be a useful thought experiment. So I second that. I really appreciated the honesty with which Kaylee talked about, you know, just not understanding some of the lingo and wanting congregations to use more basic language. Again, I grew up from the time I was nine until the time I was like 24, 25. I took a year or two break and then I was in the church for like the next seven years. So most of my life I have been in church. I've worked in church. I've worked as a minister. I've worked as a chaplain. So I've been in church, seminary, education, all that. And still, there were times as an adult where I would be in a ecumenical space or a congregational space and they would use words that I didn't know. And it shouldn't be the case that you can be in church and around churches for 20 some years and still not know the vocabulary. And in my case, it was just the difference between being in an evangelical church and then going to like mainline traditions. You know, mm-hmm. mainline traditions just do things a little differently, have slightly different vocab. They actually talk about Advent where we just say Christmas time, you know, like, so just different stuff, different mm-hmm. terminology. And I can't imagine being someone that has never been in church to then try to step into a congregational space. And so I really thought that was a very practical tip. Just be mindful of your language and talk to folks like you're not in church. It's a very simple thing you can do to begin kind of bridging that gap. And so I enjoyed her saying that. Yeah, absolutely. It just reminds us that, you know, everybody's context is different. Like I grew up in church my whole life, even went to seminary and had never heard the word judicatory until Mm. I came to the Center for Congregations because that's a word that's not used in the faith tradition that I'm a part of. And, you know, as you begin to learn more of the inside baseball of different congregations and organizations, it legitimately is like speaking a different language. It is. Like when you use the term gospel, like that is a container that has different contents based on what faith tradition that you come from. And remembering that not only is using it potentially not helpful for people from other faith traditions who might have come from a different denominational background, but it may be completely devoid of meaning to someone who's not been a part of a congregation ever before. Right. And so as we talk about, you know, having the gospel or good news, which is core to so much of Christianity outside of the Christian faith, that word is pretty unknown. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I felt like, you know, our conversation with her was refreshing and I definitely appreciated that. It was not only ecumenical, but it was reverent to other faith traditions. And I also appreciated that. And in short, it just felt like Kaylee showed up like, uh, you know, your average mid-30s. I don't know how Kaylee is, but if I had to guess, a mid-30s millennial. It was, again, I felt kind of seen. And I don't know if this was in the recording or not, but Kaylee mentioning that, you know, millennials are getting older and Gen Z is actually the generation that is coming up. And then behind them, not too far behind, is Gen Alpha. And I'm feeling that as a millennial. You know, I'm no longer... I think as of next year, I will no longer be a young adult. I'm no longer among the youngest in a congregation or in a space. I'm no longer aware of the trends. I've got to like ask my Gen Z friends and mentees like, yo, what is this about? They're doing this on TikTok, you know? Mm. And it's, it's a strange sensation to no longer be a cool kid and to have to have to go find the cool kids to ask their perspectives about. And so it's interesting to me that congregations are still seeking out millennials. And I want to be like, I mean, yes, seek out millennials, y'all. But remember... We're actually aging out of, you know, that young adult age group pretty quickly. And so start looking at the Gen Z folks and even Gen Alpha as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, but also don't neglect millennials because I would say hopefully the overwhelming majority of congregations would seek to welcome all generational specificities. <laughs> I mean, sure. At the same time, 
you could leave us alone. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's not that deep, (laughs) y'all. That's just me. I don't speak for all millennials. But another thing that you bring to mind, Ben, about the interview is that I thought of a transferable idea that is on the front end of the conversation Kaylee was talking about so many times we think we know what someone needs. Mm -hmm. And so people who are not millennials just get around the table and make decisions about what they think millennials want without ever talking to millennials and just how that's transferable into really any kind of other culture other than ourselves. And I think of, you know, the idea of kind of the white savior complex that gets talked about sometimes of where well-meaning people with means think that they know what a community needs, but really the better thing is to ask questions and interrogate and create a partnership with communities that one is reaching out to, whether that be community ministry in your own city or even international missions. Don't assume you know what the population that you want to serve needs, but making sure to partner with them and ask questions and understand their needs. I've heard that brought up before by various experts that we've had in and how important that is to really developing a sustainable idea of ministry to populations that might be different from your population. Yeah. I mean, if for no other reason than to ensure that you can actually offer what they need, right? Like if someone's coming to you, like, I mean, Kaylee was a great example. She said a more radical understanding of Jesus is what appeals to her, right? And so if you know that Mm -hmm. that is not at the core of your community's identity and faith structure, then be real with that. Don't try to seek out people like Kaylee or like myself for whom we were craving that. Seek out people that are desiring what you have to offer, you know? And that doesn't mean you shouldn't change. That doesn't mean you shouldn't be open to transforming. You should. But at the end of the day, if you have an identity that you don't plan on letting go of or shifting or allowing to shift too much, be honest about that. Be real about it. Be authentic in your search. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, because she brought up the idea that being clear about your congregational views about LGBTQ Mm -hmm. identity concerns and issues. And, you know, I don't think she was just saying that from the perspective of progressives that, you know, be real if you're open to that. But I think even being real if you're not, because there are people in the millennial demographic that might have a theological underpinning of believing that gender identity issues are more problematic. And so it's a matter of being true to who you are and therefore drawing people who are interested in what you have, as opposed to being so generic that no one knows what you have or even potentially being misleading about who you are. And then someone joins and gets involved and then it's like, oh, wait, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. Yep. Yeah. You got to be able to lead with what you have, which I mean, in that spirit, Matt, do you want to transition to our resources? Yeah, absolutely. So we have a number of things that we mentioned in the episode itself. We have Kaylee's event that we have a recording for. We'll post that and make that available for a period of time. And one of the things that she mentioned was Simon Sinek, And he's got a book called Start With Why. And also there's a really good YouTube clip that kind of summarizes his ideas or thoughts about that. We'll make sure to post that Mm -hmm. as well. But Ben, did you have a specific resource that you wanted to bring? Yeah, I just want to highlight an oldie but a goodie. And this is a resource that y'all can find in, I think it's the first episode. It's definitely season one. I think it's episode one, but it's with Mike McCarg as our guest, um, Where Have All the Young People Gone?, It's a resource we highlighted there. It's titled From Jay-Z to Jesus, Reaching and Teaching Young Adults in the Black Church. It's a book by Benjamin Stevens III, Ralph Watkins, and published in 2009. So it's at this point maybe a little bit dated, but I think it is still an interesting resource to use for those that are involved in the black church tradition, thinking about what it means to reach young people. At the time it was written, they were talking about millennials. And so again, there'll be some dating that happens, but I think the core tenets are probably still 
helpful and healthy. And so check out this book from Jay-Z to Jesus. You can find it on uh, our online resource database, which is the Congregational Resource Guide at thecrg.org. Yeah, thanks for bringing that again, Ben. And that's just an interesting reminder that, you know, this question of the new generations, it comes up all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we can learn even from things that are from prior generations. As I mentioned before, I found a book on Gen X and some of the things in there, some of it is just basic, like just really caring for people and listening to them is mm. <laughs> a huge part of it. And sometimes we just need to be reminded of that. Yeah. I also want to highlight as a resource, the Fuller Youth Institute. Mm. And this is a very broad resource, but pretty much anytime anybody asks me anything about younger generations, I check out Fuller Youth Institute first they got it going on, y'all. There's a book called Growing Young that they published a while back. We actually had an interview with Kara Powell, season four, episode one, and did an interview about the book, Three Big Questions. But pretty much anything related to youth, young adults, Fuller has a lot of information. They've got information for leaders. They've got information for parents. They do trainings. They have a number of books out there. So just really great content. I highly encourage you, if you are interested at all in any of those aspects of youth or young adults, check out Fuller Youth Institute. Sweet. And in that spirit, we want to encourage you to stay up to date on what's happening with the Center for Congregations. You can do that by following us on Facebook and Instagram at the Center for Congregations. And as always, if you appreciate this podcast, feel free to leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That's the fastest way for new listeners to find this content. Yeah, we'd love for you to reach out to us as well. You can email us at podcast at centerforcongregations.org. And I have an online apology to make. Bonnie, Bonnie emailed us at the beginning of November. And I did not see it until approximately seven weeks later. Mm -hmm. And so, Bonnie, I'm in the midst of writing you back, but I wanted to give you this shout out. Thank you for the resource that you recommended, the potential interview that you recommended to us. So, Bonnie, thanks for reaching out. My apologies on not getting back to you right away. Typically, we do see those quickly. So, thanks, Bonnie, for emailing podcast at centerforcongregations.org. Yes, thank you, Bonnie. And I think, Matt, we'd be remiss if we didn't thank the generosity of the Lilly Endowment. It's their support that allows us to keep doing this great work, which includes the podcast. So we just appreciate our supporters at the Endowment. And we appreciate the work that Jaden Lee does in the audio editing. So we want to acknowledge him as our audio engineer for this podcast. Uh, we appreciate that work as well. And, you know, I think if I'm calculating correctly, this will be one of my last, if not my last podcast interview. And so if that is correct, I do just want to thank the listeners for joining Matt and I as we started this podcast two and a half years ago, almost now. It has been quite a journey and we've had a lot of laughs along the way. We've learned a lot about podcasting along the way and about each other and about you all and the great work that you're doing in congregations. So thanks for joining us on this journey. Thanks for allowing me to be part of it. And I look forward to seeing, you know, where the podcast and the platform go from here. But I just want to acknowledge that and say goodbye to the listeners that are used to hearing my voice. You'll hear someone else joining Matt now and uh, just know that I'll be thinking about y'all. And if you want to be able to follow Ben, you can reach out to podcast at centerforcongregations.org and we can get you pointed in the direction of uh, how many other podcasts are you on, man? You got like two or three other podcasts? You know, technically really only one. There's one active podcast that I have. You all can check it out. It is called the What Would It Take Podcast. I evaluate current events and societal issues through the lens of faith and politics, asking what would it take to create the world that we want to live in? So you can hear my voice on another podcast if you want. And then if you search long enough, you'll find me on other podcast interviews. And you might even find an old podcast that I used to run. So email me if you find that one and have questions about that as well. And now with that, everybody's going to leave me and go follow you, Ben. I doubt that. Our podcasts are very different. So I imagine they could get something from both, but not the same thing. (laughs) 
All right. Well, we appreciate everyone who listens to the podcast. Actually, we appreciate everybody who doesn't listen to the podcast as well. We appreciate people in general, but we're thankful right. for the work that you all do in, in your congregations. Your congregation is incredibly important in your community, and we just want to be here to support you in that as best as we can. So thanks for being a part of this. And thanks to our Canadian listeners. Y'all have hung with us for two and a half years. We finally had a Canadian guest on, you know, and so shout out to Kaylee for being the first, yes. not the last not the last of our guests from the great up north but you know we appreciate your listenership and to our listeners in canada um, which i think just means toronto but <laughs> no, i'm kidding to our <laughs> listeners in canada you know feel free to send us suggestions we want to hear from y'all too indeed well hey thanks everyone again appreciate you we'll be talking to you again in a couple of weeks and for the center for congregations i'm matt burke and one more time i'm ben tapper take care y'all